Greetings, members and friends of the Chinese Language Division at the American Translators Association and all fellow interpreters and translators. Thank you for tuning in for another fantastic episode of our podcast. I want to say that Christmas came early for everyone because we have a lot of goodies to offer in today's episode. You will know what I mean in just a moment. First of all, let me introduce to you our special guest today, Mr. David Violet. David is a seasoned and highly regarded conference interpreter working with four languages. They're English, French, Portuguese, and Spanish. During the four decades of David's professional interpreting career, he has worked as staff interpreter and translator at the United Nation and at the International Criminal Court. As a freelance conference interpreter, David has worked for many heads of state, ministers, and governors, among whom are former president of France, Mr. Francois Hollande, former first lady of the United States, Mrs. Melania Trump, former US Secretary of State, Mr. George Schultz, and the former governor of California, Mr. Jerry Brown, just to name a few. Trained by some iconic figures in the translation and interpreting field, such as Danica Seleskovich and Christopher Thierry, David also shares the legendary teaching and knowledge through his various professional interpreter training workshops and programs. And David also serves as the USA Regional Chair of IEEC, although David is here today purely in his personal capacity. So uh, nothing he says here today represents the position or viewpoint of IEEC. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, David, and welcome. Hello, it is a, it's a pleasure to be here. Okay, well, we have uh, a lot of uh, things to go through. So with the very little time, I'm just going to get on with it. My first question, consecutive interpreting, you being a veteran interpreter yourself, you've been uh, with so many high level political figures, and then you've been to a lot of these high stake situations. What is your take on consecutive interpreting? Because for me, I used to think that long consecutive interpreting uh, was overrated, but that was my that that was my thought before I became um, conference interpreter. So I just thought that you, as the interpreter, take over the spotlight for longer than three or four minutes um, at a political situation or a conference or whatnot. It could become awkward for the speaker when all that spotlight is on you, the interpreter. But uh, what's your thought on that? Do you think long consec is it actually quite practical. Well, let me say that uh, long consec to me is has many advantages. Uh, let me go back a little bit into history. You know, in 1919, after World War I, they were running the uh, peace talks in Versailles, and they had no equipment. There was no such thing as simultaneous, and they had several languages, and they had to do a long consecutive, and actually they would do pieces that were up to an hour long. And it doesn't take people's uh, time away from them, really. You're supposed to do it in less time than the original. Um, so it's not like you're stealing the spotlight, although it does happen that people uh, are quite appreciative that somebody can possibly do a piece that is so long. Now, of course, one hour long is not standard. Usually 
you will do uh, five minutes, 10 minutes or something like that. But when I say that uh, consecutive has several advantages, um, uh, two points on that. First, in terms of learning, uh, I learned doing one year of consecutive first before I could go into the booth where I was uh, learning at uh, Azit in Paris. And the whole idea there is that well, interpreting is, most people don't realize, right? We as interpreters know that um, what we are getting at is the meaning. We have to get the meaning and then put the meaning into natural target language. And when you do very, very short pieces, or if when you do simultaneous, it's very tempting to just grab something that sounds a lot like the original. In other words, uh, false cognates, right? But when you do... Uh, consecutive for five minutes or so, you are forced to sort of forget the form, at least much of the form, much of the original language, and put it into the, uh, put the meaning into the target language. So in a way, it helps to develop this habit of really putting together the meaning and ignoring the original uh, language and getting a, a full understanding of what's happening and getting both the bigger picture as well as all the details. So that's for the pedagogical side. And then there's also the fact that it just happens that you may not have equipment. You may not be able to do whispering. You're just going to have to do consecutive. And although in many cases you can communicate with the speaker and say, hey, let's, let's do short pieces. Frankly, I don't think that that is what we should do because Cutting off somebody, for example, if somebody were to cut me off right now, I'm in the middle of my idea. I've, I've, I've said that I have two ideas, pedagogy, and then this, I'm now in my second idea. If someone were to say, hey, could you stop? I need to interpret. Yeah. There is something of um, interruption in the person's thought process. So the ideal is for the interpreter to let the, uh, the speaker develop all of the thought that is comfortable for that person to develop. You know, it might be just a, a paragraph, but it might be over three or four minutes and, and without interruption. So not only is it better in terms of not interfering with what's happening in the meeting, but actually it may become that it may happen that you have no choice. The speaker might be way far away from you. You cannot do anything about stopping her from speaking, or the person may have just forgotten that you're there and just keep going. And you're going to need to be able to do it uh, consecutive with notes to be really a professional interpreter. Just, you just have to be able to cope with those situations because they are frequent. You may be going on a visit of a factory. You may be going, as I've done so many times, or walk out into a field mm -hmm. in California to see all the agriculture, et cetera. You will not have equipment to do simultaneous, and you, but you do have your notepad, and you, you just find yourself in many situations where consecutive with notes is the, the best option. Professional interpreters are actually expected to render their interpretation uh, in a much shorter segment than what the uh, speaker had said in the first place. As professional interpreters, part of our job is to really take what the speaker uh, says in the first place to maybe summarize it and to make the logic even stand out a lot better than the original speech. However, 
I was trained as a court interpreter before I got trained as a conference interpreter. You also worked at the International Criminal Court. Now, between working at the ICC and also working at these high stake uh, political situations, or even at the UN or other, say, business negotiations or business meetings, how do you feel the interpreting styles are different or are they different at all? Well, that's very interesting. First, let me uh, zero in on one of the terms that you used, and it's a bit of a, a point where I, I may, not, may not agree. Um, in real consecutive, we, we do not summarize. We mm. do not eliminate anything. If mm. the speaker gives uh, 17 points, each one with a number down to the third decimal point, we also give 17 points with every number down to the whatever decimal point. We don't eliminate anything in that sense. I mean, you know, summary can mean uh, something else, I guess, but we, we are not going to just give the gist or the summary. We are going to give the whole thing. Mm. Now, when we say that we will take less time than the original, the reason is that most people, when they speak, like as I'm speaking right now, on the basis of what they just said, they start looking for the next thing they're going to say. So in a way, they're sort of like walking through the forest and, and finding their path. Mm. Whereas the interpreter has the path already laid out. So in, th in theory and in practice, and I can tell you in our exams, you had to give the whole thing without skipping any details but you should do so in less time because you are not having to uh, wonder what to say next, uh, build on what you've just said. And, you know, sort of like I'm doing now, if you speak off the cuff, you, you figure out what to say on the basis of what you just said. And, and you're a little bit slower than someone who already has it all down. So the, the, let's not confuse doing it in less time with leaving things out. You do not leave anything out. Mm. Now, the part about summarizing, uh, sorry, the differences between uh, court work and uh, conference interpreting. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, the when you are doing a consecutive in, let's say, a political speech situation, you're very mm. aware of all the nuances, all of the impact and you're, you're aiming more at getting the purpose of the speaker across in your, your style. You're not leaving anything out, but you are maybe a little more in, waiting one thing more than something else. Now, in, whereas in court interpreting, I think that it's important for the judge and the, and the jury to, to know, for example, that the speaker is uh, hesitating or using very uh, illiterate language, for example, the, that might be part of the evidence. So I, in court interpreting, you need to be more literal, more mm. and, and, and put across more of that kind of information. Whereas in um, political or diplomatic consecutive, you may be more aware of what the actual impact is. So for example, let's say an ambassador is trying to smooth over a point and 
you are aware of that. So for example, there's been a problem between two countries and the ambassador is trying to charm people and to make everything seem okay. You, you have that purpose in mind. You mm. want to be serving that purpose, even though it doesn't mean you leave something out or you add anything. It's just that you are more wary of being faithful to the spirit mm. and less maybe to the letter of right. what is said. I have sort of, a, I have two, two rules, several rules, actually. Uh, but one of the rules that I, I offer to students is that we need to put ourselves in the shoes of two people that we are serving, the speaker and the listener. And of course, the listener may be in the plural, the listeners. We need to know what does this speaker need right now? And at the same time, what do these listeners need right now? So, for example, if uh, they're all engineers and they're trying to build a machine and the speaker is giving down uh, figures, um, but maybe in not very elegant language, you, you know that the listeners, what they need is all the figures because they want to build the machine to the right size. So you're going to be absolutely faithful without any doubt to all of the numbers. Whereas, let's say that a politician says, uh, we have seven, 746 uh, billion. And when you come to that five minutes later, you forgot to write down billion and you don't remember. Is it a billion or a million? And you realize um, that it's, it was one among many, 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 many figures. And you've, you've already asked the speaker to repeat once or twice. So you would rather not do it again. You might end up saying, the interpreter has the 478.7, but he's not sure if it was millions or billions. And just keep going because you, you feel like what they want it to be is mainly an elegant speech. You're being honest. So you're telling them the, and they can ask if they want to know. But you don't feel like breaking the elegance of the moment is worth stopping yet again to ask the speaker to repeat. So what I'm saying is you are really tuned in to what the people need. They need, you know, if you, if you stop and ask a politician, could you repeat this please again? He's feeling like, well, okay, I will, but I really didn't, it wasn't an important number. What was important was, you know, to get the meeting going for, and so you need to be tuned into that kind of thing. And Mm-hmm. And now, since we are humans and, and to err as human, we may not get the whole thing. And then so the question is, do we ask, do we admit it and say they can ask later? You, that's where your judgment may come in and, and you will maybe absolutely just tell them, okay, I didn't get this part, but if you want, we can ask later and then keep going. <laughs> right. Whereas you wouldn't do yeah. that in court, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a very good analogy that really offers a new perspective for me. I'm sure for a lot of our listeners to look at these two uh, different branches of interpreting. Now that is out of the way. Let's talk about how the pandemic has affected us freelance interpreters and translators. I know the pandemic really hits us hard and for a good while. I think a lot of us were just very much disoriented by it. Our routines were disrupted, uh, life work balance was needed to be readjusted and all of that. Um, And with our workload lessened tremendously, we ended up having just lots of free time on our hands. I remember reading this post on LinkedIn uh, just shortly after the lockdown. And it says, if you don't come out of the pandemic having learned something new or honed an existing skill, then you would have missed out on experiencing the pandemic to its fullest, which was (laughs) kind of funny, but then true. 
But for me, I was quite lucky because I went back to school uh, to miss for the conference interpreting program just a few months before the pandemic hit. So I was already mentally and financially prepared uh, to not work during that time. What about you? What have you done in this pandemic shutdown period? And what was you know, that silver lining for you now in hindsight and looking back? Uh, did you take on any new project or did you start anything new that you feel like that you would not have otherwise done? Yeah, let me tell you about, uh, I feel I've been very busy. I'm just as busy as when before the pandemic. Mm. And one of the main projects I undertook was, you know, I was, and you actually came to my in-person class in San Francisco. Yeah, that was, that was almost like uh, almost three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you do note-taking for consecutive interpreting, it's like learning the piano. A class like that, I can show you the keys, the black and white keys. I can show you the score. There's half notes, uh, eighth notes, 16th notes. I can tell you about Beethoven and we can do some scales, but that's about it. Right. You, you can't do much without practice. So the way I saw it was these people took this class from, from me, but if they don't practice, they're going to forget everything. Mm -hmm. And so I started holding practices online. That's one thing that I did during the pandemic. It started about a year and a half ago, and we've had it twice a week, although we had a break for a couple of months around Christmas. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I did during the pandemic. I also uh, took recordings of my class, and I've put them into a recorded form where people can access them that way. And so that's another thing that I've been that I've been working on. I've also undertaken some health projects. I've been very good about uh, getting out and getting some exercise. I, I did a lot of kiteboarding. Now I'm an avid tango dancer and I could not dance tango. I still am uh, a bit uh, wary about that. So, but I, and, but I have been doing some sports and of course, you know, the whole interpreting world has been turned upside down. Now we all have to work online, like we're having this, uh, this, uh, this talk here today. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is now. And in some ways we've discovered, Hey, you know, we can be more in touch with people than we were before because you don't have to take an airplane. And yes, uh, so there are some silver linings like that. And uh, I have, I had a routine when we were in the really the depths of the pandemic, I had a routine where I had a, um, a weekly call with a, with a few friends that in many cases, I would not have spoken to them for months, but we were we were talking every week. So that was another project that I had during the pandemic. Well, that's that's great to hear. I, but uh, yeah, so this practice that you just talked about, is it is it only for people who have taken your classes before or is it for generally interpreters and translators or or people who generally need note taking skills uh, brushed or It's for anyone. I have allowed anybody in who wants to come and practice consecutive. Often people come and they see what we're doing and they they might they might not come back. Uh, but, and then there's a core group that comes every single week and anyone who is an interpreter who wants to learn how to do consecutive with notes is welcome. We've, we've had a, a lot of people come through and what we do is in a, we, we do interpreting within one language. This is the way Seleskovich used to do it in Paris for, because she used to run a class 
that had all of the languages mixed. So mm. she would actually do it from French into French. I'm, I'm doing it from English into English. So the whole idea is to learn the technique of taking notes, which is a lot more than writing something. It's a lot more, than, it's what you do while you're writing, how you listen while you're writing, how you analyze while you're writing. And then there's the aspect of your performance, being able to look at your notes and remember what was said and piece it together with accuracy. It really is a matter of practice. So that's that's what we've been doing. It's a free, a free practice session on Zoom. That's very good. And to our listeners, that is one of our goodies for today's session. So I think you should all take advantage of that. David is offering it for free. And he is, uh, I mean, how often do you get a chance to practice consecutive interpreting note-taking skills with a veteran seasoned interpreters like David? So I think you, uh, you know, anyone who's out there who's interested, give it a try. I know I'm going to sign up myself. One more thing, David, I know I particularly agree with what you said about knowing something. And if you don't practice that, and it's almost as good as not knowing it for consecutive note taking, a lot of us have the struggle is that we know we need to be paying more attention to the source language, we need to actively listen to what the source is and process it and then put it on the note and then say it back in another language. I mean, I think we all know that, but once it comes to actually doing it, we just, um, we, we run around like a headless chicken. We aren't able to recognize our own writing. We don't know if we should be using notes, uh, symbols or target language to take notes or source language to take notes. So lots of these uh, problems that I reckon will go away or get better with time with more practice, but we just, we don't have that practice. So I think what you're offering here is a perfect opportunity for really for people to integrate the theories that they know and then get that, um, but put that into their uh, daily practice, and then they will get better at it. Uh, have you seen people really uh, improve in your practice group through this type of um, you know, practicing? Um, have you seen the making like leap in their uh, consecutive interpreting skills? Oh, yes. And that's part of the joy. To tell you the truth, I've had several moments when I've thought, why am I doing this? I'm I'm not making any money and uh, it's taking up my Friday evenings and my Saturday mornings because I, I try to hit two time zones. One is Asia and one is the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And by the way, most of the people in there are, uh, have Chinese English as their combination. So yeah. you could probably meet some pretty good interpreters. But anyway, mm-hmm. I have seen people go from being just uh, just lost to being really good. Now, most of those, at least I can think of two right now. One is a Chinese and one is from Argentina. Both of them are actually in a program. So they have not only my practice sessions, but they have their own. Mm-hmm. And I have seen them go to be so sure of themselves, so accurate, you know, doing five-minute pieces just so accurately and beautifully. It's really a joy to see that. And I Actually, we have all levels because we have people who just drop in. I, every every week, there's three or four people who are beginners. They're, 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 they're totally lost. And then there are the ones who have been with me for a year or now a year and a half for a couple of them um, who really can do a great job. And it's nice to have the two mixed together because 
the beginners, okay, they're a little bit discouraged, but mm -hmm. they see what they're supposed to reach and they can see that it's impossible because that it is possible. Sorry, because when you first start doing this, it's such a mess and such a hard thing to do that you really wonder if you'll ever be able to do it. But if when you see someone else who's just been doing it for six months or so, do a, a good job, you know who to, you know, emulate. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's been a joy to see how much progress I've seen people make. Oh, I'm very happy to hear that. So I think on top of practicing consecutive interpreting and note taking, it's also a mini a networking session because you never know who you're going to meet and who's ever who's going to drop by in these meetings. And with more people, you know, comes more opportunities in the in the future, I'm sure. That's exactly right. And that's one of the purposes. In fact, I have a Facebook group and a LinkedIn group where they are supposed to meet. And But they also, I think they generally meet during the sessions. They exchange emails. Sometimes they ask me, hey, I, I, I really like practicing with so-and-so. She has the same language as me. Of course, then I ask to, to get permission and then I might be able to share the email. But, but uh yeah, the whole idea is you can see, hey, that person has got it together. That person has my language combination. I would like to practice more with that person, you know, just one-on-one. -on -one. And maybe that person is on another continent. It doesn't matter. I can do that now with the Zoom. So right. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, there's a okay. lot of networking going on. That's very good. Um, we're coming to the end of our episode, but before I let you go, I did promise our listeners a lot of goodies. Is there any more goodies that you can give us besides the practice sessions? What we do have is a free online class. It's, a, it's about 40 minutes of video about symbols. Uh, it's, it's my take on symbols. There's a lot of symbols that you can copy but there's also an explanation of how you can build your own symbols. And it's a, it's a free class. You just need to go to my website and I, I guess you can find it by, you could just look me up, you know, just go onto YouTube or go onto uh, LinkedIn or look, go onto Facebook and probably look up uh, David Violet uh, note taking for consecutive interpreting. Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll probably find me or go to my website, davidviolet.com mm -hmm. and you'll be able to sign up there also. And anyway, that's a free a free goodie that you can okay. that you can access. Well, thank you so much, David, for a very insightful chat and then for your take on so many things that uh, us as the conference interpreters all face and especially for the goodies that you offered. And listeners, thank you too for tuning in. I hope you've all enjoyed yet another episode of our CLD podcast. I will see you next time. <laughs>